Hey gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On this episode, I chat with Will Nitzer, founder and CEO at IQ Bar. We discuss moving from Kickstarter to Amazon to D2C, the key to assessing CPG product market fit, launching new categories and product lines, under-indexing on the product, the importance of brand experience in a retail environment, and how Will's LinkedIn shower thoughts are created. Before we get into it, this episode is supported by my friends at Recharge. Recharges help over 15,000 e-commerce merchants grow and retain their customer base through subscriptions, allowing the brands to grow their business by increasing lifetime value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. If you thought subscriptions were on the decline, listen to this. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. For anyone running an e-commerce store, customer retention has been at the forefront of your mind, and subscriptions are one of the best ways to meet your goals. Create seamless subscription experience for your community and turn one-time shoppers into long-term customers with Recharge. Learn more at rechargepayments.com slash basket. Enjoy the episode. Will, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Nice. I used to live in Boston for a little while in just, uh, what's the red line? Central line, the red line, Harvard Square? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I used to work for a bank there, and the head office was in uh, was in Boston. Yeah, it was a fun summer. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a nice city. I'm actually moving to Miami in a, in a couple of months, but I've been here a long time. Been here since 2010. Yeah, right. Interesting. And the move to Miami is just sunnier weather or natural Business migration friendliness, sunnier weather, a um, little more energy. I don't know. Change of scenery. Like I said, I've been here for a while, so I didn't do the whole thing when during COVID when everyone, you know, pieced that out. Was ma- and yeah. <laughs> yeah, went that was to random places. Like I stuck around. So yeah, nice. Yeah, you do. Okay. Uh, I usually like to start these things with a little bit of a rewind. So I'm curious, like uh, IQ Bar, like what was the inception? Why did you start the brand? And I'm particularly interested in why you picked the particular vertical that you went into yeah i mean it was not uh overly thought through but i it was just sort of it was the confluence of a bunch of variables so i was really into the brain in in college i took psychology and uh, neuroscience courses got fascinated with how the brain works how it functions how it breaks down all all that and i wanted to work in some intersection of business and, and psychology um, so I thought I maybe wanted to do organizational behavior, mm-hmm. um, which is basically just, you know, optimizing the way in, uh, companies are set up. Um, but didn't, that didn't really pan out. And basically I ended up not knowing what I wanted to, not being able to figure out a professional path that sat at the intersection of those things. So I, I took a job in software out of college, hated it, uh, but got good at, you know, running a meeting and Excel and PowerPoint and <laughs> figured out what, yeah. how does a company nice. work? Yeah. 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 All yeah. that. Um, but I just sort of got into nutrition for personal reasons during that time. I got really into just clean eating, paleo diet, uh, whole foods eating. And, um, 
and got really, really interested in the intersection of nutrition and cognition and eating for your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people are focused on eating for your body. So uh, digestion related stuff or building muscles or losing weight. And very few people think about it as it relates to the brain. Does this help Mm -hmm. me? Does this make me crash at 2 p.m. or does this um, do the opposite? And Mm -hmm. I was really interested in that. And and one book I read at that time called Grain Brain, like really lit a fire under my ass, um, which was basically just saying the way you eat over the course of decades impacts not just how you think today, but do you get Alzheimer's or, um, you know, other neurodegenerative diseases and things like that. And so um, also concurrent to that, I read another book called uh, Mission in a Bottle by the guys who started Honest Tea, which is a big, big U.S. bottled tea brand, actually just discontinued. But um, it was a huge success story for a while. And that got me obsessed with consumer goods. And so... Like I said, it was the confluence of all these yeah, things. Yeah, I yeah. didn't like my job. I had was really into the brain stuff from college. Then I was really into the intersection of brain and nutrition. Personally, I had changed my diet. Then got into consumer goods. I also yeah. always kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur. So it was yeah. all that yeah. stuff rolled up. I was also 26 and no kids. And, you know, if I ever I was going to take a risk on something, now was the time. And yep. Um, that was it. Nice. Yeah, no, it sounds like a, a, a natural and organic kind of like process. Talk, talk me through those kind of like first little, I'm always intrigued about the very first bit. So that was the kind of environment in which you were operating, which kind of led to it. But like, was it a side thing that kind of got more serious? Did you go straight in from the get-go? What were those kind of like first few months, you know, into a year like? It was definitely a side thing. <clears throat> <clears throat> and I'll always say to, to people thinking about starting something, don't quit your job. I worked on it at nights and on weekends for a year. And I, and I thought it would be, you know, three months and, and then it was a year. So yeah. if you put a time constraint on something early on, you're very likely to, you know, let's say I just quit my job and I was like, all right, cool. I have three months of personal runway. I got to make it happen by then. And then the manufacturer says no or whatever something (laughs) something's gonna happen and then you're like oh crap probably shouldn't have quit my job yeah you know so i mean i prototyped in my kitchen literally mixing stuff up in my kitchen for a year and um figured out how to stand up a website and found a manufacturer and figured out all what all the unit economics should look like set up a basic supply chain trademarked a few trademarks. Mm-hmm. So th- there's all this stuff I had to figure out and get my ducks in a row. And then finally I was ready. And, and again, that was, I thought it was going to be three months and it was 12 months. So yep. um, I, again, I was 26 and I had no kids and I could spend that time at nights and on weekends. And totally. imagine that's a lot harder if you have a family say, but um but yeah, that was my process. And then we launched with a Kickstarter. And that was, even at the Kickstarter stage, I was not sure it was going to work. That was really the, the beginning point of, does anyone want this in the first place? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, if the Kickstarter had flopped, the year would have been a bit of a wash. And I would have moved on to something else probably. Yeah. Um, but then the market spoke and said that they wanted this thing. And yep. nice. so I quit my job. and jumped right in. 
Nice, nice. And and so I'm curious then from the, kind of that that point onwards, like Kickstarter onwards, what what has can you know, what have been the main growth drivers, or what have you been doing from a growth perspective? What's worked? Maybe what hasn't worked? Yeah, uh, Amazon is our number one channel, so that mm-hmm. has worked for sure. Mm-hmm. Our D 2 C business is is a great business too. It's a couple times smaller than our Amazon business, but still a really good business. Mm-hmm. We, we 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 rolled the Kickstarter and the website, and then layered on Amazon and. Very quickly, Amazon outpaced the website, but yep. but the website has continued to grow too. Um, and then brick and mortar is quite big too. So I mean, I, I very much believe in omni-channel. Yep. A lot of yep. you know, if you're on Twitter, uh, you know, LinkedIn or whatever other other channels, there's this big D to C community, and all it talks about is direct to consumer. And I think there's this what's it misses a lot because you don't want to be D. In most cases, you don't want to be D2C only. Um, the brands that are really winning are omni-channel. Um, and so we play in Amazon website, brick and mortar. Even within brick and mortar, we play within you know, the drug channel, the natural channel, the conventional yep. channel, yep. big box, a.k.a. Yep. Uh, Walmart, yep. club, a.k.a. Costco, yep. you know, Sam's Club. So uh, we've diversified ourselves quite quite heavily and then even we've even diversified our product line so we started in bars and you know we've moved into hydration mixes and now we're moving in the next couple weeks into instant coffee so i'm a big believer in diversification i think it's so interesting you say that i've been banging on about like that omni channel needs a rebrand it's for whatever reason not seen as sexy (laughs) as d2c and i think the reality of most brands is even if they are pure play, there's a big ceiling to that and that you're going to have to look elsewhere. So they're kind of going to do it anyway. And introducing that mindset probably earlier on will help. Um, but I get it as a like starting point. It's, it's the barrier to entry is so low, right? Like yeah. you know, easy to stand up a Shopify site. You know, Even if you didn't do so much of the research and graph that you did in a year to get out there, you could chuck something up, run some ads yeah. and see if, see if it happens, right? Like, great. But yeah, retail partners, collaborations you know pl- uh, marketplaces you know it's it's all part of it i suppose it it's interesting you say that about like the ddc community i think it, it sort of like favors that kind of like uh more uh brand ownership type concept where they don't want to you know don't want to give it up to anyone else and worried about the kind of like overall customer experience but yeah the I problem with that it. is that's great in a world where pre ios 14.5 and all that but even then like the reality is it's something like 80 something percent of people are still buying stuff in brick and mortar stores especially with food and beverage products mm-hmm. um so yeah you can build a big d to c business you're never going to build a massive business that way the only way to build a massive business in consumer goods is to layer on brick and mortar yeah, totally. And I mean, I think it, like it speaks to the consumer sort of experience and like environment, right? Like, especially food and beverage. I think COVID skewed things where I, as a consumer, was more likely to try out direct consumer subscription concepts, right? Because I'm at home, makes sense. Sure, I'm going to set up five of them, <laughs> five different subscriptions coming to my house. Now, in a post COVID world, I probably want to do one shop, one subscription and just get it done in one go, right? Like, so yeah, I think it's an interesting concept. I'm curious then though, like, um, 
that product range you talk about, I think is, is really interesting in that kind of simplicity. Was that kind of always baked in? You talked about the idea of being diverse, but you're kind of, my observation is diverse, but also simplified at the same time. And like, how do you kind of like work through that? Um, well, I mean, bars was a logical one. I looked at bars because I wanted a category and I've actually refined the way I think about going into categories or not going into categories. But early on, I wanted something that was a very big market, you know, multi-billion dollar market, addressable market, yep. ship friendly, or yep. also, you know, e-commerce friendly, basically, yep. meaning a high price point to weight ratio yep. and yep. a high price point to dimensions, you know, cubic inch ratio. Yep. So I don't want to be sending bags of chips, right? That's a bad, <laughs> you're sending air. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's bad ROI. Yeah, so, yeah. so I want to be e-com friendly long shelf life so 12, 12 months shelf life yeah. uh you don't want to be caught holding bad inventory um and ideally it's a growing market you know the, the, and that's that's kind of it for, for the start so i just wanted to check 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 and so that was why i started with bars huge market every every grocery store has a set of it not going away mm-hmm. and i would prefer to outperform highly compet in a highly competitive market than than be caught trying to manufacture demand of some new form factor or whatever yep um and then on the hydrate and then you know i approached new product lines in a different way i think than a lot of people do a lot of people will say okay we're, we're a food company people know us as a food company so we have bars let's make balls or bites or yep. strips or whatever chips you know, peanut butter cups. Um, and I was more interested in, I always viewed that as somewhat cannibalizing. Like they would eat the other thing instead of the first thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I was more interested in complementary categories. So what could you consume in the same day and be yep. good with it? Yep. And also I was trying to think through all, all of those check boxes that I talked, talked with, um, talked about, you know, for, for new product lines. Um, but also it has to carry through that thread of brain and body nutrition. All your product lines still have to be coherent. They have to make Mm -hmm. sense. Like, Oh, that makes sense that Nike came out with shirts after shoes because people wear athletic shirts while they run, like it has to have that thread. Um, and so hydration was a logical next step for us because it's like satiate, and hydrate. And then our yep. last one is caffeinate. Yep. They're all relevant to brain and body like wellness. And they're all complementary. They don't mm-hmm. compete. You'd have all three of them in the same day and feel good about it. Um, so, uh, but, but we looked at other categories, right? I looked at sleep also relevant. Yeah. 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 That's going to be my, my next question of like, like the after what happens at the end of the day, like supplements, sleep, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and there's, there's other categories that, that are, I mean, there's pre-workout, there's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, but we actually run kind of extensive analyses when we're looking at new categories. Like we were actually looking at, okay, instant coffee or sleep. Yep. Um, which is better because I'm actually okay going into either as a third category. And we did a whole analysis. What's the competitive landscape? What's the like average gross margin? Do we think we can win? Do we think we can be sufficiently different? How are these categories growing? How do they look on Amazon? Blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, we determined 
you know, instant coffee is a better space to be at this very moment. But um, so you also have to be selective within multiple categories, both of which could work. It's just which is which is better. And how much are you, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious then like how much of a, because <laughs> you can analyze the shit out of it, right? And then you get stuck with some sort of analysis slash, you know, data paralysis. Like at what point do you kind of make, a, 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 you know, pull the trigger and how much of that is like gut feel? It's a lot of gut feel because um, it's a little bit arbitrary. It's like we could launch it now or we could launch it in a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to feel ready. I mean, there's certain things like, can you handle it operationally? Do you have the operational team? Yep. Bandwidth, energy. Is everything else humming along? You know, you want to start stuff when you have fires to put out elsewhere. Yep. yep. So, yeah, there's all that stuff. You have to make sure your, your house is in order. But once that's in order, it's like, yeah, you, it is kind of gut feel of, all right, let's launch this new thing. Um I mean, the hydration line we launched, I mean, we, we, I think we launched it 2021, like November, and we thought we were going to launch it in March. And it just got so delayed because co- like, there were all these COVID supply chain issues and a whole other range of issues. And, and the, we were like, all right, let's originally, let's launch it before summer. And then summer will be huge. We ended up launching it in winter, totally mm-hmm. random. But it didn't matter, and it's a 24-month shelf-life product and just kind of slowly grew and grew and grew and grew. Um, it's, it's, launching a new product line is kind of similar to launching a company. It's like, just start. Yeah. Um, and it's never going to be the right time, and just do it anyway. Because you kind of are starting a new business with every new product line, especially if it's a different form factor. Like, we had to find a new contract manufacturer mm-hmm. powder manufacturing is very different than bar manufacturing mm-hmm. so you're basically starting a whole new company um but you have all this other knowledge you have this customer base you have this email list yep so it's easier yeah. in many ways interesting and i'm curious then like either throughout your research or where you are now like who do you look to for inspiration in either in your own like vertical, I don't know, like a Cliff Bari, you know, type story, you know, kind of interesting, or do you look beyond that um, in terms of where you guys are tracking and where you're going? Um, I mean, we look at everyone in food and Bev CPG. <laughs> um, my wife who runs our e-commerce business, which is the biggest part of our business. I mean, she obsesses over other brands, especially on Amazon, because it's so ultra competitive and other brands are bidding on your keywords and <laughs> yeah. your brand name and they're showing up on your page. So you're yeah. kind of forced to look at what other people are doing on a daily basis, or she is. Yeah. Much more so than I am. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm always like more focused on just our lane. Yeah. Um, what do we need to do? But um I kind of take, there's no brand where I'm like, I just want to run that playbook. I kind of take snippets from different brands. Like there's this brand called Chomps. I don't know if you're familiar with them. It's like meat meat sticks. Um, They just run a really, really good, smart business. And the way they run their brick and mortar, like I try to emulate them in our brick and mortar strategy. and then, you know, 
what would be a good example for like Amazon? Like brands like Highkey. Have you ever heard of them? It's like a keto uh, mini chocolate chip cookie snack uh, thing. Anyway, okay, it, was a, right. it grew like massively on Amazon. It was one of the fastest growing food and beverage brands ever on Amazon. Um, and so I'll, I'll look to them. Or what are they doing? How do they grow that fast? What are the levers yep. they're pulling? Um, and then certain other brands I'll look to for, for branding. Um, you know, like Magic Spoon or something like that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. the funky twist on on that category. So I'm yeah. just I'm sort of compiling all these like little snippets from, but there's no brand because I don't believe in copying another go-to-market strategy. Not because not I would never do it. I'll do whatever works. I just don't think it's the right strategy because you can't apply that to, to every business, especially our business which is unique. I mean, we sell bars and hydration and soon to be coffee. That's a unique business. Mm-hmm. We'd be silly. There is no like quote unquote playbook for that business. You have to look at the data in front of you and do a bunch of trial and error and do what's best for you. Yeah. I suppose it's like, there's a lot of tried and yeah, I, I totally get that. Like if, if you took the sort of standard playbook for some of the stuff for your contemporaries, then you'll stay within one lane, but you want to add in some more of that. Like the Magic Spoon example is a good ex- uh, sort of perspective of bringing something else into that kind of, it can be a bit of, like I cycle and I, I consume things like SIS, SIS sport nutrition gel things, you know, and yeah. they're like, they're boring as fuck. <laughs> like yeah. there's, there's nothing fun about that brand at all. Like, uh, uh, and you know, Cliff Bars to some degree, I wouldn't say there's much fun, but you know, through Amazon, it's like a convenient sort of purchase, right? So trying to introduce some sort of element of fun, either through your direct consumer channel or generally through your brand, what is in a vertical that can be not so fun, I think is an interesting concept. Yeah, totally. And, and I go back and forth on like the fun angle and the branding and this, yeah, Ultimately, you still buy Sis. You still buy Cliff Bar. Why? Because they make good products. Now, I, I could quibble with, yeah, I don't eat Cliff Bars because maybe I'm I'm not spending enough as many calories as you are, and um, I try to eat a low carb diet. Mm-hmm. But like for the people that eat the Cliff Bars, like that's a good product, and mm-hmm. and so good product is so important. People get all bent out of shape over conversion rate optimization and landing <laughs> pages and yep. email flows and this and that. And they like it, they way over index on all that and under index on the product. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, especially, it's crazy, especially in a world where LTV is absolutely critical. Um, and so. And just repeat purchase. And by the way, loyal like brand loyalty among consumers is degrading over time. Consumers Dude, used to be more brand loyal. Totally, right? right? Totally. It's so so interesting to say that. I was at a talk last week and I'm doing a talk this week on branding. And that kind of concept of brand loyalty to me is a very odd one. I feel generally speaking, there seems to be a lean towards an engineered brand loyalty program concept. And I, I'm not necessarily convinced by it. I think the loyalty is kind of either there or it's not. And then 
the loyalty program, you can either enhance rewards or incentivization or enhance the the loyalness or the loyalty, but it's hard to introduce it, you know, like with points and those kind of concepts. I kind of think it's kind of there or it's not. And then you can add like a VIP membership feels like a better option than kind of like the loyalty standard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, but like what drives that is a, is a good product. Good product. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, product. Totally. You have so many of these products where it's like branding so on point and so good and it's fun to use your word earlier and it's playful and this and that. And then you eat the product and you're like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> and then you're not going to buy it even though it was fun. No one rebuys something because it's fun. Yeah, you buy yeah, it because yeah. liked it, it worked, yeah. whatever. So I just, I just think there's a way over indexing on everything other than products. Um, but that's a whole other. That's, that's a whole, whole other, other pocket. Tangent. But no, it's so interesting you say that because I think yeah, if you think about the attributes of a consumer in terms of why they buy, right? So product obviously being that really really important one. I think to some degree, I will, I will com, uh, I will. Um, uh, compromise on convenience if it's so fucking good that I'm like, I'm going to do that. You know, I need to go somewhere to get this thing is a good example yep. of it, right? Yep. The the branding is probably, yeah, to some degree, maybe a little bit even less than that. Am I going to go and compromise on product and convenience for just a brand? Maybe if there's an experience involved or whatever. But ultimately, yeah, especially for, you know, uh, consumer goods that you consume, you know, physically. It's, it's, really, important be good. And, it's really important in brick and mortar. Like, I'll give you an example. We launched into Costco LA um, with a 18 count, three, three flavors, uh, six units of each flavor on the box, really competitive price point. And the reality is we don't have, we're not a household brand name. So the vast, vast, vast majority of people walking by our palette and Costco clubs do not know who we are. We still have to sell call it $1,700 per club per week per skew, one skew. Mm-hmm. And no one knows who we are. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. How do you do it? Really, really good packaging. Yeah, That's it. That's all you have. And a good price, <laughs> and a good price point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, good products. Some of those people will come back and buy again. But you have a rotation. Let's say it's 12 weeks. You have to hit that benchmark, $1,700 per club. No one knows who you are. So yeah, branding matters a lot in that context. It's kind of everything. Yeah. And so you got to obsess over that palette being like spot on. All the call outs have to be spot on. They have to matter to that demographic, that consumer, like yada, yada, yada. So there are certain cases where it's just like you're dead if you don't have good branding. Yeah. That's so funny you say that. I've recently invested in a non-alcoholic beer brand and that's the, the product's good, I think, but the packaging and the branding I think is far superior than most of the competition. And yeah, we were talking about that at like a launch party on the weekend and we were talking about the like in-store experience like that, you know, judging a book by its cover is the reality. And that's hopefully how you know, they're going to win. But I, I totally get it. Like you've got, I suppose, unless you've got the advantage, which is not scalable of having the kind of like tasting option, like in the store, right. Which I'm sure you guys do at some point through yep. some yep. of your retail like endeavors, but uh, you know, you can't do that everywhere at every time, all the time, right? Yep. Um, I want to switch gears slightly. So one of the reasons uh, I found you was through LinkedIn and your personal brand, which I think, as I was saying at the before we started in, into the pod, um, 
very authentic, kind of obviously know what you're talking about, funny, which I think is like genuinely funny, which is a, which is a rarity. But I'm curious, like, how do you think about it? I'm also very curious, a very specific thing, your random shower thoughts, how do you do them? Do you, do you record yourself? Do you write them down afterwards? How do they actually materialize from your brain into LinkedIn? I'm very, very curious. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love, uh, I don't know if you've ever checked out the subreddit of Shower Thoughts, but I've always loved that subreddit and it's just random thoughts. Like, I, I, I don't know why I love it. It's just fun to cycle through random things mm-hmm. that people, everything's like, oh yeah, that is weird. I like that yeah. sensation. Yeah, of, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that is kind of funky. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I find myself having those thoughts like all way, all the time. So I was like, actually just, there was no rhyme or reason necessarily of why I put out this stuff I put out on LinkedIn. It was all just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. So I think one day I was like, had some random thoughts and I was just like, no, I'll just call these shower thoughts. And I just put them out and it was like two or three of them. And people like thought it was kind of funny. And I did it again. And then some lady was like, hey, you should do this as like a weekly segment. I was like, weekly segment? I hadn't even thought of the concept of a weekly segment mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Like that's yeah. not even really a thing, is it? Yeah. You know, so, but then I was like, all right, maybe I'll just try that. And like Monday is kind of a fun day because everyone's back at it, back back in the office. And then I kind of was like, I was like, all right. I'll standardize it. I'll do 10 every time. And yep. and then I was like, oh shit, well, I actually have to come up with all these now. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, how I do it is I just, it literally, it's very messy. I have a Slack, we use Slack and I Slack myself. Like if you look at my yep. Slack to myself, it's like a hilarious <laughs> thing, but I'll just have ideas throughout the day and I'll just do ST colon, like shower thought, and then just blah, 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 blah. Like any, yeah. any thought that, pops into my brain like a totally random one like i'll give an example because i just had this thought of like everyone like environmentally conscious people are not cool with people using charcoal but then those same people will eat charcoal with (laughs) activated charcoal yeah like the same people who are really against charcoal literally consume charcoal Yeah, yeah yeah um I was like, what do you do with that idea? You know, it's like, there's no place for it. So that's yeah. why I like, it's like you give a place to ideas that had no place. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, I just have a running list and then, you know, what's actually really hard though is random quirky ideas, turning that into like a two sentence, one to two sentence pithy structured thought is actually very, very difficult in such a way that someone's kind of like, huh, or like chuckles a little bit, you know, it's very easy to just put that there on the page and it's kind of clunky. Um, it's very difficult to like convert the thought into the written word in a really clean way. Um, well, that, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of like, well, I'd be curious, have you considered or are you using any sort of AI to assist in this sort of thing? Or do you think that that is too, because I've been trying to do something similar, like train the thing to think like me and talk like me. And I, I tried it the other day and the thing it put back was so bad. And two things went through my head was one, is that what I actually sound like? Because I need to do some work on myself. Or two, the thing was just well, like, it takes way more training. Like, do you think that's something 
it could do or are you just going to keep going at it manually? Because it is a difficult no. thing, right? Like trying to so, condense it down into like something succinct. Some guy took all my like shower thoughts and put them into ChatGPT and they're like, all right, take all these trailing 500 thoughts and create a new list of 10 thoughts. But they're terrible. See? So I, yeah, there you go. Yeah, like I think it's a weird t- like AI is good at certain things and they're not good at certain things. I think what they're not good at yet, I'm sure they'll get there eventually, but it's just like comedic nuance and yep. quirkiness, kind of like yep. curb your enthusiasm, yep. Seinfeld yeah, yeah, yeah. type comedy stuff. Yeah. It's it's just not there yet. So um and I don't think it will be there for a long time. So no, I, I haven't. I candidly I haven't I don't use AI for anything really. I've messed around with it a lot. Um and I think it could be really good as like a writing partner or an inspiration tool. But I don't really lack for inspiration to be honest with you. Um that's never been a huge problem. I'm not like someone who looks at a blank page and I'm like, oh shit, I don't know what to do. Um for whatever reason. Um so no, I don't I don't use it. But um but yeah, so you asked about shower thoughts. What was the other piece of your original question? Well, that was kind of it really. It was like I'm trying to get like uh well one that was a very specific example. But I suppose more broadly, I'm like how do you th- you think about personal branding and I wonder is your shower thoughts like how that happened to me is a really interesting way of uh content on LinkedIn or whatever it is in a business world where to me there's so much manufacturing and there's so many examples of where you've got to the point organically where you created this like weekly thing whereas I feel people go the other way around they'll start with the weekly thing and they'll try and create this like perfect whatever it is based on all of the LinkedIn guru personal branding tips and tricks and to me it just seems so inauthentic which is weird and ironic because they're trying to create authenticity when every other LinkedIn guru disciple is doing the same thing. So yeah, yeah, I'm just curious, like, how do you, how do you think about it? Like, as I said, you're probably, there's not that many in, in honest to God, man, like there's not many original thinkers, I think, you know, in this yeah. world. And like, do you just not think about it? Is that how you approach it? It's like, you just, just run with it. Well, I think I have an unfair advantage, just like every entrepreneur has an unfair advantage because I don't have a boss. So mm. never once have I been like, Oh, I wonder what, my boss thinks about this yeah, or my yeah, coworkers yeah. think about it. that's yeah. like a non thing for me. And for most people it is a thing. So it, that's an unfair advantage, right? I, I can arbitrage that and just say whatever the hell I want. Cause there are yeah. no consequences. Yeah. Um, that's huge. The other thing is I have no agenda. I don't need like LinkedIn or Twitter or anything to generate any given result for me. Yep. It's, it's kind of like the don't quit your job thing. I don't have a three month, time period where I have to get to XYZ results. Therefore I have to do A, B, C, and D to get there. And that doesn't exist either. So I have this like freedom, like I can do whatever I want and I don't need any given result. And so I'll just do whatever the hell I want, like at whatever pace I want, say whatever I want. And I also don't need like all the best practices and carousels and the yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like, all that shit. Yeah. I would never, I would never want to become that. Cause I don't like that yeah. personally. Yeah. I, yeah. I rarely want to become something that I don't like yeah. personally. Sometimes you do cause you have to and work or whatever, but generally speaking, like 
if I don't like it, I don't want to become it. And mm-hmm. the, that's just like a game. And I don't really want to play that game. I'd rather just do what I do, what organically comes out of me. And I think a lot of people will, will say, you know, take an angle and have a niche and become an expert on XYZ, like become the DTC guy or become the mm-hmm. CRO guy mm-hmm. or become the mm-hmm. email marketing guy or become the whatever. And I don't really want to do any of that. Um, I'd rather just talk. I guess if I were to be in one like basket, it would be founder related stuff, you know, startup yeah. related stuff, but that's quite broad. You know, that, that goes into the personal struggles and then it goes into brick and mortar thoughts and then it goes into D2C thoughts and then it goes into yep. Amazon thoughts and then it goes into fundraising thoughts. It's, it's so broad that um, it might as well not be a bucket. It's like a little bit of everything. But the other, the, the benefit of all of that is it just hap- it just it's me just channeling stuff that happens to me versus that blank page. Oh shit. What do I come up with? Yeah. And I'm not writing a guide, like the 10 best ways to do this. It's like, <laughs> I'm just taking something that I saw like yesterday and putting on a page. Yeah. And that's nice. Cause it's not more work. Like I'm yeah. not, this isn't my job. I don't make money at this. So I'd be silly to create a whole boatload of additional work. It's like, no, just, take interesting stuff that happens to you and redirect it onto the page. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I like it. It's like, it's like a very natural mouthpiece for what's going on in your head. And I think that that, that niche that you do have, which is the founder thing is kind of interesting, but then there are many people that do that. But again, I do find the thing that sets it apart is the true authenticity. And maybe that, like, as you've just said, a big part of that is the zero pressure. So you don't have to be, or it's not like, I suppose if maybe you were a professional services business, it might be slightly different because the channel then becomes a lead gen, a big lead gen thing. And, you know, you need to maybe think about it more, but I would still like argue that the authenticity and the authentic mouthpiece concept makes a lot of sense no matter what you're doing, because people relate to that, you know, it's good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's weird. It's weird though, too, because I'm a B2C. So I am B2B sort of, right? I work with retailers and maybe we sell to offices, whatever. But yeah, B2B, these are your customers, right? So you actually really do have to be a lot more thought. You don't want to lose a six-figure customer who's (laughs) looking at some random thought you had. That's So it's good and bad, right? Because I actually think like LinkedIn's best for B2B. You don't need a sales team. If you're a small like agency or whatever and you just have really good content literally don't need a sales team totally totally but i think even it's an interesting point where you say that yeah because you're direct consumer so it's not your kind of like main lead driver channel it's this other thing that you can experiment and be incredibly authentic because you haven't got any pressure but even i think if you were a b2b services company where linkedin is your main lead generation driver or your revenue driver whatever it is like the authenticity piece is is definitely something I think people can look to as a, as a guide of just like good content. Like I don't I don't think it's rocket science. Like if if you're a good speaker and you're like genuinely funny and stuff like that, it's a great avenue. You know, it's just like a it's a great way to sort of talk to a lot of people in, in an authentic way. I mean, how do you think about it? How 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 would your dude? I look yeah, I look at people like you. There's there's a handful of people that I look at, and I don't try and copy them because I think I've got enough original thought. But yeah, I look at it as like. 
it's probably my one's a bit more performative, if I'm honest, because I kind of, you know, like, you know, talk about things like I saw and like, this is interesting, but I don't know. I just, I can't get my head around that kind of like, it's so funny. I can totally see when someone's gone to a LinkedIn guru and they've started doing what they've said. Like I've seen it a zillion times before, the format of the things, what they talk about, how they talk about it. I'm like, why, why'd you do that, man? Like it was good before it was authentic. Yeah. You know, it may not have been getting you the leads that you probably require, but I don't know. Yeah. So I, I just think about it as like, also, I just think the humor bit, I think humor is just an underrated quality and life's too short. You know what we all do. We're not all fucking saving lives. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But yeah. if you go, if you go on a LinkedIn and like, you know, the sort of guru and disciple concept, it just feels like, yeah, well, this person is saving lives by being an executive coach or, or whatever it is that they do. Uh, so I just think, yeah, levity is like, you know, underrated. Yeah. Great. Um, so final question. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't running IQ bar? Running something else, starting something else. The problem is I have a sickness now where I can't work for anyone else. Um, I, once you do it for a year or two, it's like, you can't go back. So, um, I'd be doing some other wacky entrepreneurial thing. Um, I think I, I do like media. I mean, I do putting out content has been a fun experience and I'm a big fan of like media plus businesses, like because media businesses generally aren't a great business model, but media plus is. So, you know, you, you create an audience and then you have a product or merch yeah. or whatever. I mean like the, the Logan Paul prime, hydration drink case study is like the obvious example there. I think they did like a hundred million dollars in their first three months or something. Yeah. 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 So it's like his business was valuable, but not like crazy valuable as a media entity and media plus product is like wildly, wildly, wildly valuable. So I do really like that model. And I, I generally, would like to do something that builds some sort of an audience of like-minded people. And I don't even know what do, I don't know what to do with that. I just know that's valuable. Yep. I don't think you need to know. It, it wasn't yep. like Logan Paul was like, I'm going to do a hydration drink in five years. He's like, no, I'm just going to create content and build an audience. And so I don't even think you need to know how you will monetize that later. I think you just start putting good stuff out that, resonates with people so i do think a future state of me would would be doing something in the media space all right well i'll have you back on the pod when you've created your media empire um will uh thank you so much for joining me that was great man yeah thanks for having me There you go, folks. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, a quick word from my sponsor, Recharge, the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants launch and scale subscription offerings. Discover how your business can harness the power of recurring revenue and seamless subscription commerce at rechargepayments.com slash basket. Before we go, if you like the pod, please like, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time.